it is impossible to move on and to walk in in Christ without understanding that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and that you are the crown jewel of his creation. I've found that sometimes we as Christians really lose sight of that. And then when, when we tell our stories, oftentimes we tell our stories in a way that doesn't acknowledge God's power in your life. Jesus is your hero. Uh, in, in the context of Jesus being your hero, every story has a, a, a similar arc. You have an origin part of the story, you have a fall, and then you have a redemption and then a restoration. Pick your favorite story. It has those types of elements to it. And your story in Christ is no different. My parents were atheists. My upbringing was based on you do everything yourself. You don't rely on anybody, you don't trust anybody. You have to do this or it won't ever get done. Of the things that I've seen happen going on in the world growing up, I felt uncomfortable with the idea that there wasn't any kind of higher power at all. It wasn't until I met Angelica that I could finally pinpoint what I was thinking of because she brought me to Grace Community Church. Coming in and listening to the sermons and getting a better idea of what Christianity was like, what it is that Christians actually value and what the Bible really was helped bring me to Christ and then starting to experience what God can do in our lives. It helped me slow down and appreciate more of everything that I have and we have on our planet. Being blessed to understand who God is and to understand the deeper things of God. He knows your groanings, all, all of your pain, your suffering. That's what drew me to Christ in the first place. When I was in about sixth grade, my parents divorced and that was incredibly traumatic for me. That on top of growing up as a black kid in a predominantly white neighborhood, those were two really big issues in my life at a young age. What drew me to Christ was even the seed that the Catholic Church planted in my heart. I didn't know hardly anything, but I did know I could call upon Jesus. And I did that on my own, quietly, and asked Jesus into my heart because I felt completely helpless, confused. My parents were no help um, at the time. <laughs> then, in college, I went to the University of Iowa. I was at the field house. I believe, I think I was playing basketball. But a minister from Campus Bible Fellowship essentially invited me to fellowship. And it, I felt it was an odd thing, it came out of nowhere. But I was like, yeah, okay, I'll uh, show up. And through different uh, activities, meals, Bible studies with them, I began to grow in knowledge of the scriptures for the first time in my life and it was precious to me. It really changes you when you accept Christ. You know, the Bible says it renews your mind. It changes how you look at life, how you look at yourself, how you look at other people around you. I became more engaged with the other people that were around me. I was more open to approaching someone and introducing myself and actually engaging in a conversation. To know that 
Jesus is familiar with all your sufferings. That's the first and primary blessing I know I've experienced. And then also, just deeper understanding of who I am, uh, who He's created me to be. Christ has done all of the work. He is the one who sacrificed Himself so I could have a life. And not just any life, a life that glorifies God and Himself. It doesn't matter how important we think we are. Christ is the most important person in our lives and He will always be there for us no matter what happens. It's important to share your story because first of all, it's commanded in the Bible. And when you have news so good, why won't you share? I know it's intimidating, but at the same time, it could be devastating not to share. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Our passage this morning is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is God's word for us today. You may be seated. Good morning. As you heard earlier, we are finishing up this acronym of BLESS, where we are talking about how the good news of the gospel has blessed us, but then God calls us to then be a blessing to the community and the world around us. Before we jump into the scripture for this morning, a couple of notes of housekeeping or hospitality, if you will. Uh, first off, for uh, services on June 12th, uh, we are transitioning to two services. This will be indefinitely until we uh, decide we need to go back to that third service, nine o'clock, 1045. Those are the service times starting on June 12th. As by way of reminder, you should have received an email and some other notifications about this, but take note of that. And also starting next week, we uh, do family sit-together services. All classes, kindergarten and up, will be here in uh, the service with uh, the rest of us. So wanted to make a note of both of those things. Want to spend a few moments here by way of review looking at where we have been. We have been looking at what the good news is and how we share it in very practical ways. We see in scripture that the good news of the gospel is something that we are called to demonstrate and also declare. And largely to this point, we have been talking about what it looks like to demonstrate the gospel. So by way of review, first we begin with prayer. This is how we make sure that we are sharing in God's story. This is how we make sure that we are going about it with the right motives. This is how we make sure that we are not uh, going off on our own agenda of what we think we should do, but we are connected to God's larger story of what he is doing. We're going to talk more about this this morning as we look at Romans. Then we talked about listening and serving. That's really how we share in the life of someone else and we get to know them. We believe and we see in scripture that you really have to learn someone's story so you can share the good news with them. Jesus was great at this, listening to people, serving people, hearing their story, and then sharing God's story with them. So listening and serving is really how you share in someone else's life, how you get to know them. We talked about eating. This is how you invite others into your life through hospitality. The word hospitality literally means welcoming strangers. 
We welcome strangers into our homes and into our lives so that we can demonstrate and then declare the good news of the gospel to them. So this is how we literally invite them into our homes and our lives. And we talked about serving, which is taking our time, our talent, our treasures, and sharing it with others. We share our resources as a way to demonstrate the gospel. Well, we also believe that we also have to declare the good news of the gospel. We have to speak the good news. And as we do these things that you see on the screen, these things that we've been talking about the last few weeks, we believe that that leads you to a place where you can then declare the good news of the gospel. But it, it's not quite that easy, is it? There's some things that keep us from declaring the good news of the gospel. The things we've looked at are very practical. Um, they feel like, okay, I can do those. They're very important. They're very practical. But when it comes to declaring the good news of the gospel, there's some things that get in our way. How do I go about declaring it? What exactly do I say? How do I keep it from being awkward? I don't want to defame the name of Christ. I don't want to make him look silly. I don't want to make myself look silly. I don't want to be offensive in any way. And we overthink it and we get to a place where we end up not working up the courage to declare the good news of the gospel. Well, in God's word and in Jesus's call on our life, we see what the good news is and we learn how to declare it to a world that is in desperate need of good news. Would you pray with me as we get started? Heavenly Father, we ask you to speak this morning. God, thank you for how we have already worshiped you and heard from you this morning. God, now we ask that you would speak through your word, that you would teach us what we need to learn and you would show us what we need to do. God, thank you for the good news of the gospel. And we rejoice in what you are doing in our lives in this church and in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. As we just read this morning in Matthew 28, we see Jesus's call on our life to go and make disciples. And we're going to take a quick look at it up on the screen, and then we will turn to Romans 10 together. So Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is about to ask us to do something, but first he tells us where his authority comes from. And this is very important if someone is going to ask you to do something, they need to have the authority to do so. I have four boys. Sometimes they tell each other what to do. This doesn't go so well, right? They, they give each other instructions. They tell each other what they should be doing, and it doesn't go over well because they don't feel like they have the authority. But when I ask my boys to do something, yes, Papa, whatever you say. <laughs> Okay, not always, not always true. But I at least have the authority to ask them to do something. It's important if someone is going to ask us to do something that they have the authority to do so. And Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. No one else, past, present, future, can make this claim except Jesus. The Father has given him all authority over all things. In fact, John chapter 1 in the book of Colossians teaches us that all things were made by him, through him, and for him. Matthew 19, Jesus says, I am renewing all things. And in Revelation 21, he says, behold, I am making all things new. This is the one that comes in his authority, and he has something that he's going to ask us to do. So what does he ask us to do? Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. 
He says, this is what I'm calling you to do. You need to go. You need to do something active. He doesn't just say, all authority has been given to me. You all just keep doing what you're doing. No, he says, go, go, take action because of that authority. That's the therefore. Go because of that authority that has given, been given to me. Go because you have seen me go and make disciples, make Jesus followers, make learners of Jesus of all nations, not just Jews, not just Greeks, not just Romans, but all nations, all people groups go and make disciples. This is what he's called us to do. And what do we actually do? What do we say? It says, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time here. We saw baptisms this morning. We saw an outward sign of what God did, an inward transformation in someone's life. But we do need to take note there there are two parts to this, right? He says, to make a disciple, you need to teach them everything that I've commanded. And not just teach them, teach them to obey the things that I've commanded, to live the values of the kingdom, to live by the law and the will of God. But you also baptize them. You remind them that they are being baptized into the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they are also being baptized into a new family, the community of faith. Those that were baptized this morning, if you are in Christ, they are now baptized into the same family as you and me. So we're told to teach them certain things to make them a disciple, but also baptize them into something new. We've been given a new family, a new mission for our lives. Jesus is saying, go tell them about this. But he knows that they're going to face opposition. He knows that they're going to need help. He knows that you and I need help. So he has more to say, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is saying, you've seen me do it. Now I'm going to go with you. And the disciples that hear the sound of his voice as he gives this great commission know that he is going to go and be with the Father and that he is going to send his spirit. And so he will be in them and with them wherever they go. He says, I'm going to go with you to the very end of the age. He wants us to know he is with us. We'll return to that theme later on in the sermon. This calls us to a life of demonstrating and declaring the good news of the gospel with our entire lives. In order to do so, we need to remember what the good news is that we have believed and received, and we need to know how to do it. Please turn with me to Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10, Paul gives us a vivid picture of what God is doing and what the good news is, and then he tells us what we practically need to do in light of what he is doing in our world. Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 17. I'm going to read through uh, these verses, and then we're going to talk about it for just a little bit. I'm not going to give a whole sermon on this text verse by verse, because I have 21 minutes and 24 seconds. And this chapter and these, this passage that we are looking at deserves an entire sermon series. So we're not going to do it justice here. We're going to take a look at it. I'm going to summarize it. And then we're going to talk about what we do in light of what we have read. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. 
that we proclaim. Because if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. So in summary, what have we just read? Paul is telling us that God is at work saving people in this world. And he makes no distinction. He is saving some from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. He says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. They don't have to become Jewish first. They don't have to join a political party first. They don't have to join your church first. All who calls on the name of the Lord, who believes in their heart and declares with their lips that Jesus is Lord, they will be saved. Paul is reminding us that God is at work saving people in our community and in our world. That means he is at work And he wants to save people that you live with, you work with, you go to school with, you bump into at the park, your neighbor that you invite over for dinner. He is at work saving souls. He is at work and he is moving powerfully, drawing people to himself. He is at work showing his kindness to humanity. He is at work convicting of sin. He is at work in this world. Sometimes we can forget this. Sometimes we can forget this because we start thinking about how our community is no longer looking to honor God or our world is no longer looking to honor God or how people are not moving to the area looking for a church. And largely that's the case. I see every year new students come into the University of Iowa and praise God, you heard some powerful testimonies this morning of students coming here and getting connected to a college ministry and finding faith. But the majority of students are not moving here looking for a church to get involved in. But you better believe that they are looking for a God. They are looking for hope. They are looking for peace and acceptance and love, and they are desperately looking for good news and finding none of it. They find only bad news. They get themselves into more and more bad news. We can lose sight of the fact that God is at work in people's lives. He's at work in the community. He's at work at the University of Iowa. He is at work all over the world, even quote-unquote closed countries where you can't set up shop and start a church. He is at work in those nations too. God is at work drawing people to himself. And the second part of the section that we just read tells us that he wants us to be a part of it. He invites us into his kingdom work. How will they hear if no one tells them? How will they preach if they are not sent? How will they believe if they don't hear 
Faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of God. God has invited us into this kingdom work. God has invited us into this mission of going and making disciples of all nations. Do you know that God is powerful enough and intentional enough and specific enough that he could drop down gospel tracks into everyone's lap He could download a tract onto their Kindle, onto their phone. He could put it on their social media feed so it's just right in front of them and they have to read it. God could do that, but he hasn't. With that same intentionality, though, he has put you in the home, in the job, in the school, in the neighborhood that you are in. With that same intentionality, he has chosen who lives across the hall from you. He has chosen who you share a backyard with because he wants you to demonstrate and declare the good news of the gospel to them. God is at work saving people in our world, and he invites us in to this kingdom work. Instead of dropping those gospel tracks down into people's laps, he has sent missionaries, disciples to every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. If you are in Christ, he has given you a message to share. And he has called us to go and make disciples of all nations through this demonstration and declaration. God is powerfully at work. He is piecing together the stories of people's lives. Listen to these testimonies. Listen to the testimonies on the screen. Think about your own testimony and how many things had to come together in order for you to be saved. God was working each of those things together to draw you to himself. And he is doing the same with people in our community and people in our world. And he wants to use us to help people take that next step towards him or by the grace of God, take a step into the kingdom. We are not equal to the task, but he invites us into it. And he says, I am with you always. He says, I'm with you. I will go before you. I'll be your rear guard. My spirit will be inside of you. And I will give you the very words to say. When we have started with prayer, when we have listened well to people's stories, when we have shared a meal with them and invited them into our home, when we have given of our time, when we have given of our money, when we have given of our resources to serve someone else, it makes us a part of their story and a part of God's story and puts us in a position to open our mouths and speak the good news of what God has done for us. So very practically, how do we go about doing this? How do we go about demonstrating and declaring the good news of the gospel? First, we need to remember that it's good news. First, we need to remember that it's good news. We need to remember first that it was good news for us. It was good news for us. We need to remember our story. We ask people before they get baptized to write out their testimony, to remember their story, to walk through and show how the good news has been spoken to them, how they've received it, how they're living it. We need to remember that it's good news. We need to remember that Romans 6 tells us, I used to be a slave to sin, but now we are slaves to his 
righteousness. We need to remember the good news of what God has freed us from. We need to remember the good news of what God has freed us to. We need to remember who we were before him. We need to remember how he is still working in our lives. We need to remember and believe the good news. And then we can share it with others. Because that's what we do with good news, right? We share it. We share it with other people. I've gone to church here for going on 16 years. And in the fall, there is a tangible difference in the lobby the day after the Hawkeyes play. When they lose, there's a certain kind of feel to the lobby. And when they win, things are just a little bit more energetic in the lobby. I kid you not. And I'm not poking fun. I know I'm not from here originally. I have my sports teams. When I thought the Chiefs were making the Super Bowl a few years ago, I was jumping up and down in the air. And I looked over, and my son was staring at me with shock and horror at the enthusiasm that I was showing. I get excited about sports, too. The point is, good news changes us, and we want to talk about it. The good news, the best news, is that a holy God would make a way for me to sit at his table. That's the good news that we have received. And now we get to share it with others. First Peter chapter three, fourteen through sixteen tells us to be ready even if we're persecuted. Be ready even if there is injustice done against us. Be ready to share the hope that we have. Always having the good news and the hope found in Jesus at the tip of our tongue, ready to share it with others. Second, we need to do so with humility. We need to do so with humility. I play basketball a couple times a week. And, um, in it's typically the same group of guys that's there up to like 30 different guys that, that come, but it's kind of the same pool of guys. There's some younger college guys. And then there's some of us older guys. Um, and there's sometimes some things cross the line and there's trash talking. Uh, people have a dispute over a foul call or something like that. And especially with the younger guys, things can get a little heated sometimes, but there's one guy at basketball. I'm going to brag on him by name. His name is Shannon. He taught my son uh, Taekwondo a number of years ago, and then I bumped back into him at basketball. He's a very good player. He's about my age, so one of the older guys, you know. Uh, he, he is very good. He's a very good player. He's very skilled. He doesn't do any Taekwondo on the basketball court, but I think it helps him somehow. Uh, he's a very good player, and he's a man of few words. He never gets engaged in any kind of controversy, he never trash talks or anything like that. But when anything kind of uh, does cross the line, if there's any kind of dispute, Shannon steps in and he tells guys, this is over. He is respected by all the younger guys, the older guys listen to him. He's kind of the godfather of the whole basketball experience. And he has earned that through humility. See, some of the other guys that come think they're in charge and talk like they're in charge, but Shannon is the one that's ultimately in charge, and it's because of the way he lives his life. It's because of the humility in which he presents himself. 
Of course, we stand firm in what we believe. Of course, we boldly declare the good news of the gospel. Of course, we don't sacrifice or fudge on truth at all, but we do so with humility. We're told in Romans 2 that it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. If it is the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance, I think we can reason that we need to have some kindness when inviting people into the kingdom and when proclaiming the good news of the gospel. We need to have the posture of the man born blind in John chapter 9. You see the reference up on the screen. The Pharisees bring him in and they want him to testify against Jesus. And he says, look, I don't know who this man is. I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. But one thing I do know, once I was blind and now I see That is your story. That is my story. That's the good news that we have to proclaim. The good news is not be awesome like me. The good news is not I go to a great church. The good news is not first you can clean up your act and then Jesus will love you. No, once I was blind, but now I see. That's the testimony that we have to share. So we do so with humility. With humility and grace. You know, often we don't find that we have as many opportunities as we think we should to open our mouth and declare the good news of the gospel. I think it's because we haven't humbled ourselves to live our lives in such a way that anyone thinks we have hope. Anyone thinks we may know some good news, we need to humble ourselves and do these demonstrations of the gospel so that others are like, there's something different about you. There's something different about you. I'm willing to bet that you or I have never argued someone into the kingdom on Facebook. But that's what we spend most of our time thinking about and doing instead of demonstrating the good news of the gospel in our humility and in our kindness and in our hope and peace and joy. So we have an opportunity to declare the good news to a world that's full of bad news. Third, we need to know and share our story. Know and share your story. You need to know what your story is. Our folks that get baptized, we have them go through Acts 26 and look at how Paul shares his story of conversion, of truly starting to follow Christ. You can break down his testimony into four different parts. Paul shares his testimony in four parts. The first one is his life before Christ. Before Christ, he was persecuting Christians, overseeing the murder of Christians. He was living for the law, but he was not living for Christ. He shares what his life was like, and then he tells the story. Part two of his testimony, he tells the story of his conversion, the light on the road to Emmaus, Jesus, or uh, Damascus. Jesus appears to him, and he says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he calls Paul to himself, and then Paul shares his current situation. He says, I'm still in these chains. Paul talks about where he currently is. We often skip over this step. This is where humility comes in. We, the good news of the gospel is not, I once was bad, then I met Jesus, and now I'm good. That's not the story. 
The story is, I once was blind because of what Jesus is. Now I can see. And through the struggles, through the pain, through my own sin, Jesus is with me. He is changing me. And now I'm a part of his kingdom. There's a different call on my life. But we can be honest about our current situation in humility. And then Paul has a call. He says, because of this, because of the good news, which I have believed, you need to repent and be saved and follow Jesus yourself. So we see these four parts of the story. We need to know our story. We need to share our story. Sometimes we don't share because we're afraid of being controversial or offensive. Just share your story. Just share what God has done in your life. Love people and demonstrate the good news in such a way that they want to know why you're different. And then share with them why you're different. It's because of what Christ has done in your life. That God has given you a new story to share. And lastly, we need to remember his promise that he is with you always. He is with you always to the very end of the age. This does two things for us pertaining to what we're talking about here this morning. The first one is he will provide everything that you need. He tells his disciples to go and proclaim the good news to the ends of the earth. And he says, you don't need to take anything with you. I'm going to provide for you every step of the way, something that keeps us back from demonstrating and declaring the gospel is we are afraid we don't have enough. We don't have enough intellect. We don't have the right house. We don't have enough resources. We don't have enough time. We don't have all the answers. When he says, I am with you to the end of the age, he says, I'm going to provide everything that you need. If you are living for him, if you are on his kingdom agenda, if you are obeying him to go and make disciples of all nations and teaching people to observe the commandments of the Lord and baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, you will have everything that you need. You'll have everything that you need to accomplish what he is asking you to do. So when he says, I'm with you always, the first thing it means is you will have everything you need. The second thing that it means that he is with you always is that he goes before you and he goes behind you as your rear guard. He is protecting you. He is going out before you, his spirit paving a way for you to demonstrate and declare the good news of the gospel. He is at work in people's lives, in our community, in your life, in our world He is writing a story, not just with your life, but the lives of people around you. And he wants us to be a part of that story. He wants us to help people take that next step towards him or even the step into the kingdom. He wants to use you. He goes before us. Isaiah 49, 6 says, Is it too light of a thing that you should be my servant, the one who has raised up the tribes of Jacob? I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. God's going to do it. He's going to do it. He will take his salvation to the ends of the earth and save some from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. The question is, do we want to be a part of it? It's why he leaves us here on this earth. 
we aren't just saved and taken up to heaven. In heaven, we are going to get to worship. And it looks like in scripture, a pretty good worship service to me. We are also invited into endless biblical community with brothers and sisters in Christ from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. We're invited to the marriage supper of the lamb, which in scripture looks like a pretty good feast. We are going to get to do all those things. A lot of the things we do here in church, we're going to continue to do in heaven and see our savior face to face and honor and worship our God forever and ever. But the one thing we won't be able to do is tell people the good news. That work will be over. That's the work he's given us to do here. And it is a non-optional activity. If you are a disciple and you are in Christ, he says, go, go make disciples of all nations. Isaiah 52 The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Go from here. Go from here. The Lord will go before you and the Lord of Israel will be your rear guard. He reminds us of his power. He reminds us that he will go with us. If you are in Christ today, you have received some good news. Once you were blind and now you can see and you have a message to share. You have good news for a world full of nothing but bad news. Let's demonstrate and declare it for his name's sake. Would you stand with me? We are going to end the service today on our feet. We sang this morning... Take my hands, take my feet, take my life. Well, we are going to end the service on our feet as our declaration to God that we are ready to worship him with our whole lives. That we don't just want to worship him with our words and our songs and our Sunday morning, but we want to worship him with our hands and our feet as we leave here as the people of God. Would you pray with me to that end? Heavenly Father, thank you for the good news of the gospel. Thank you that once I was blind, but now I can see. Thank you for the good news that you and your spirit have moved in me and helped me to believe. Thank you for these testimonies that we have heard here this morning. God, I pray for those that have not received this good news yet or what we're talking about here doesn't sound like good news to them or they don't think they're worthy of this good news. God, would you speak your words of kindness? Would you speak the words of the good news of what you have done for us to each one here this morning? God, I pray that we would not wait until we clean up our act to come to you. Jesus, truly our testimony is all we have is you. All we have is you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've called us to. Thank you that you go before us. Thank you that you go behind us as our rear guard. Thank you that your spirit is in us and you are with us to the ends of the age. And we look forward to the day when some from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people worships you together at the marriage supper of the Lamb. God, we want to be a part of this. Thank you for what you've called us to in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in grace and we'll see you soon.